Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC podcast. My name's Hunter. My name's Alan. I'm Josh. And here we are, and this is uh, the continuation of Spiritual Gifts. And, uh, man, I- I'll kind of start out by saying this. It, uh, I- I'm glad that we serve a God that is not afraid to be honest with us. Yeah. And I'll, I'll share this quick thought with you all. Um, the other morning I woke up. And I was thinking about my life, and you know, each each week and each day, we all have struggles and temptations. Uh, it's like a conversation Grant and I were having about a verse, and I think it's First Corinthians ten that says that there's no temptation that's not common to man. So we all are common with temptation. And I just I woke up though, and I'm like, man, this week's been great. I've done great. I've been doing pretty good lately. And dude, it was an awful day. And you know what my last thought of the day was? Remember when you said this? And so I'm glad that we have a God that's honest with us, but it's not a, he's not afraid to humble us and, and remind us that, uh, as Paul said, his grace is sufficient. And, you know, I, I listened to a sermon this week by Paul Washer, and I sent it to uh, a couple guys. And the name of the sermon was, God is creating weakness in your life. So, of course, I read the title, and I was like, okay, yeah, let's hear this out. So, literally, Paul Washer makes this claim. He's like, I'm so sick of people talking about this great man of God and how this man of God did this and how he preaches like this and he does this and he does this. And he he said this. He said, go study the histories of all the great preachers you know, like A.W. Tozer and uh, Leonard Ravenhill, like these voices throughout the ages, Charles Spurgeon. I mean, on these great preachers. And he said, did they all not talk about their dependency and their prayer and their dependency on Christ more than how great they were? So he was like a great man of God is one who realizes that they have a weakness in their life that they have to depend on God. So that's what he was saying. It's not like God makes us weak, but through pursuing God, we realize how sinful we are. Mm-hmm. And how great he is. And therefore, it's almost like a weakness is created. And what we do in that weakness is we are forced to depend on God. So after hearing that, and then Friday, you know, being like, man, look how good I've done. And then God's like, all right, you know, fall on your face. I've realized, I was like, I feel like so many people, you know, we are called to live holy lives. We are called to be separate. We are called in that sanctification process to pursue God more. But I feel like so many people focus on trying to just be good, trying to have a good day or a good week instead of being like Christ who said, my best day's filthy rags. So even though Paul talks about conquering things in his life and like his, you know, furthering in the process of sanctification, he always was never like, well, I'm trying to be good or I'm trying to be better. He's like, no, I'm still wretched, but thank God because his grace is sufficient And so that's kind of challenged me that, you know, I really don't need to try to look at the good I do or the good I'm trying to be and think that that's sanctification. No, I just need to look at Christ and say, praise God. Thank you. I I mean, Isaiah 6, we talk about that chapter part morning thing. I see him high and lifted up, right? Thank you that your grace is sufficient. Because if you think about this in our lives after we're saved, we are promised eternal life and a life through Christ. But yet Paul's the one that said, and sometimes it's just his grace. That's sufficient enough. The salvation you've received. And I thought, man, you know, God doesn't have to further us. He doesn't ha- and his grace would just be enough. And so, you know, before we get into this, guys, 
you know, this God we serve, right? Not just a God or this God. I mean, we are called to serve, and our spiritual gifts serving, so I'm going to kind of intro into this a little bit. But the God we serve, right, he has high requirements, and he has a call in our lives, a holy calling, right? Scripture says that we need to humble ourselves before him and seek his face, right, and seek his grace and his mercy, and it renews every day, Scripture says. So, guys, before we even talk about what it means to have the spiritual gift of serving, like, how important is it that we serve a God that will be honest with us and humble us and help us get our mind and our heart according to his ways and his word? When when we have uh, come to the understanding of who we are apart from God, he's revealed it to us and he has given us the greatest gift, which is the gift of salvation. We are have that moment. We then know that we are apart from him. There's a difference. Yeah. Nobody came to that on their own understanding. No. Um, so when that being said, when once we have that understanding, um, we you urge and you long to do his will. Is that mean it's a flawless? No. I mean, in the beginning, you really don't know. That's why new Christians come into salvation and understanding it. They're, they're in search of, they're asking, you know, well, what's next? Where's, ne- where's this road lead from here? And you made a point earlier in, your, in the opening that I, I've reflected on here recently a lot, and that is that the, as we grow in our walk with Christ and following him, it becomes less about what we do and what we say, more of what he did and what he said. And you start looking at people with a different love. It's no longer, you don't look at them and say, hey, well, I can clearly see your faults because when we stand in the mirror, we see our faults. Yeah. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, we know. So what is the person that is addicted to a, a drug or uh pornography or some type of an addiction yeah what separates them from somebody that's addicted to sugar and caffeine or something that is you know accepted by society yeah. but that's they they lose control if they don't have it yeah and it's easy to sit there and look at them and say man look what they're doing um and i and i often think about like when you look at somebody and you see them react in a situation that's stressful and how quickly we become in a place of judgment to like, you know, how could they react that way? Did you see the person lose control at the checkout line? We don't know what their situation is. Yeah. We don't know what they went through that yeah. day. You know, and if we were <clears throat> under the microscope 24 hours a day, seven days a week, how yeah. many times do we have that same situation? You wouldn't have to watch long. No. You have to watch long. No. To see me in a point of weakness make a mistake. And uh, I tell you what, the thing that I really like about the, the conversation where we're going with it is the fact that both of you guys have got the the, the main concept uh and it's that fact that that experience with god that regeneration the bible says that you're a new create you everything about me is different now I'm, I'm in christ not because of me but because of him and i think that when you realize that behold all things become new i don't have to try it's not yeah. by my effort. Yeah. It's, it's by the fact of his goodness and his grace that he's pulled me out from among the world. And yeah. now it's my part of sanctification. And I've heard my our pastor say this. Uh, d- uh, folks who don't understand what God's will is for their life, uh, God's will is for us to be sanctified. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That means for us to be 
becoming more and more like Christ, being set yeah. apart for the use of yeah of His use in this world yeah. to have an impact on folks' lives for the kingdom's sake. Yeah. So when we when we start talking about the uh, the effort that we put into it, now don't get me wrong, it's not it's not saying hey I can, I can live how I want to or I can throw punch somebody if they make me mad or it's the fact that because he's my lord yeah because i'm his child yes yeah i, I can live however i want to yeah the difference is my want to has changed the yeah. way i want to live now changes i want to do yeah. the right things and you know i think you know josh pretty he he hit it on the head too. what, what i was listening to him say is like we're all equal in this pursuit of serving Christ. And it doesn't matter who the person is. Like when we look at them and what they're doing wrong, we can look at ourselves and see what we're doing wrong. And that's what I I like is because, you know, it's one thing to try to portray yourself as good and look at your brother or your sister that's struggling. Because even Christians struggle and fall under addictions and different, different stuff. And so you look at them and you're like, well, they're not doing good. Well... Thank God, you know, I'm not like them, as a text we've heard. But then it's another way to say, you know what, I'm as sinful as they are, and but I've noticed they're struggling. And that's what I was getting ready to say, like, this mindset that we have, right, and this heart set that we have, uh, it's like a, you know, a sensitive word, I guess, in this day and age would be the word slave. Um, and I'm not using it in the context of slavery that we read in history, but I am going to use it in the context of, you know, being a slave to Christ. Paul referred to himself as that. And that's how I look at my life. Not like I have this awful slave master, right, that's making me... Do, no, that, that's really not the context of what a slave master is. I have a God, right? I have a, a master that has chosen me, come to me, saved me from my... And now I view him as my, my master, right? And I'm a slave to do his will and his service. Now, do I rebel against that? Yeah. Do I... Uh, do I fight, right? Does my flesh still exist? Absolutely. But when we look at the spectrum of like serving Christ, we're all in the same boat. By And I mean it by this. I was thinking, Romans 3, like, no one, no one's good. No, not one. No one seeks God. No one wants God, right? Ephesians 2 says we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. And so since we all were the same way, under the same characteristics as lost people, and we all come to salvation through the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, that means that we're all saved by the grace of God, and no one's saved better or no one's saved worse. We're all just saved. Yep. And that's what I love about when we're, how's we're, this angle we're taking in is because you might be listening to this, and I, I mean, I heard, I heard some people say this once. You know, pastor was like, hey, will you go do this? And they're like, no, you're the one that gets paid. You go do it. You're the one that's here. You go do it. And the reality is, is that should never be the mindset just as much as the pastor shouldn't think, well, I'm your pastor, so you need to respect me, right? Uh, Diotrephus, he quoted that in 1 John chapter 3 about the guy who got into the church and was causing all these things because he wanted things to go a certain way. It shouldn't go either way because we're all equal at the foot of the cross. One man stands to preach, one person gives, one person exhorts, one person administrates, and we're all doing it because we've been called to doing it, but that doesn't make us better. It's a bunch of people on the equal playing field doing and fulfilling the responsibility. It's like, you know, if you think about baseball, right, you know, or basketball or any other sport, they're all on the same playing field. They just have different responsibilities. And I know that's a worldly example, but Paul talks about an Olympian, right, one who runs, doing, you know. So we look at this silly analogy 
and think, wow, that's real. We're all, no one's saved better. No one's more spiritual. We're all at the foot of the cross, and we all should have the heart and the mindset of like, okay, I want to pursue God holistic, right? I want to I want to be separate. I want to be a part of the sanct- furthered in the sanctified union that I have with Christ, and I need to be separate from the world. And we do need to pursue that because yeah. if we're not, then there's some other questions. Yeah. But kind of put it back into perspective. Go back to the the statement that Josh made. There's not a one of us that was intelligent enough or spiritual enough to even find God. Right. You can't. If right. he hadn't initiated you, it. Yeah. He, so, found, he found ooh, us. He initiated that. What a subject. I mean, yeah. And, yeah. and I don't mean to kind of go off on a tangent, but I, I want to say, like, I have, I, it's not my personal issue, but when people were like, I chose God or I'm choosing no, God or no. I'm doing this, I'm like, okay. So I, I get it in the aspect, like, let's look at this context. Okay. God has convicted me, right, and I'm obeying him, and I'm going to surrender my life. So some people, when they say choose, that's probably what they're referring to. But the reality is, is you have no spiritual knowledge of God that you can develop on your own. It's like, you know, when I before I was saved when I was 11, do you know what the rest of my life before that was? Empty. There was no knowledge of God. No, and there was, I knew Jesus was yeah. coming back. Preacher said that. I knew about the rainbow. And I could tell you that Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. But the reality is, is there was no spiritual understanding nor discernment right. of God's word. And stories of the Bible, that's it. But because of you, that's what you're taught. Yes. But it wasn't until he grabbed a hold of you. Yes. And that's why it says, nobody comes to me unless the Father, Father draws him. Sent me, draws him. Let's, right. get, yes. let's get real simplistic about it because that's, that's I understand that the best. Because when it, my own personal experience with God, it wasn't that I chose Him. No. It wasn't that I made a decision. It was the fact that I stopped resisting. Yeah, it's yes. a fact that I surrendered to Him. Yeah, because yeah. He had been calling me for. I mean, I was saved at the age of twelve, and we talk about the age of accountability. I don't know how long I had been lost, but it was for years. Yes. I mean, it. I had been resisting God long enough till I'd become good at it. Yeah, I'd become efficient at it. I could find something in the parking lot during an altar call, or you mm-hmm. know, to, uh, the easiest thing to reject the, it, the truth. Exactly, yes. I could be laying in my bed and God speak to my heart while I'm trying to sleep, and and, and knowing I was lost, I, I got really good at, at flipping that switch in my brain and changing my, my my thought process and and procrastinating and putting God off. But it wasn't like I intentionally approached God and said, "God, show me." You know, right. I, I want you or any, but, any choice like that on my part. But but the 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 thing about that, Alan, and I. Is you look at God chase, well, a lot of people say, you know, God chasing me, right? No, it's God calling you. It, it's a calling of salvation. And a lot of people get hung up because they're like, okay, well, I, <clears throat> I've got to give everything up before I can be saved. No. But the reality is, is most of the issues that I had didn't come till five years after I was saved. Yeah. And that's the re- it's like God doesn't just look at us and say, well... Well, they're doing good. They've given all these things up right here, and you know the rest of their life's going to be great. So I'm going to save them. No, God saves regardless. Exactly. He exactly. and that's what a lot of people talk about salvation, and they have this stipulation, and they try to revolve it around sin, right? It does revolve around sin. Why? Because you confess that you're a sinner and you're separated before God and from God and you believe in Jesus and you call out on his name because he said, if I be lifted up, right, I'll draw all men unto me. And you call upon the name of Jesus for salvation. You put your faith in him and you are saved from sin and from hell. But that doesn't mean you're not going to struggle. 
And, you know, so when we talk about being a servant, I mean, really, before you can ever say I'm a servant of Christ, you've got to come down to the conclusion, have I been saved? Because a lot of scriptures, like John 6, we've talked about that quite a bit here. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Another text a lot of people talk about, John 14, 6, right? Uh, he says, Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's these two verses, and everybody clings to them, but like you've really got to put them together because, look, John 6, 44, Jesus is saying, you can't believe in me or have salvation unless my Father draws you. And then John 14, 6, Jesus is saying, you can't get to the Father unless you're saved through me. Right. And so there, here it is. God convicts the sinner through the power of the Holy yes. Spirit. You put your faith in Jesus, and because you have imputed, he, you have his imputed righteousness, his blood, right, in the Passover, you know how it's put over the doorframe, his blood is over your doorframe, it's over your account, you can now go to where the Father is. And a lot of people get this misconception because they're like, well, I, I'm choosing to give my life to Christ today, or, you know, well, I need to be baptized. Even in those statements of interest, if God has not revealed to them that they are completely lost, they cannot be saved, even by what they're saying. And a lot of people might hear that and be like, Hunter, that's tough. No, that's reality. God has to draw you. God has to reveal it. Because, I mean, I, I know people that come up and they're like, well, I want to be baptized. I want to be saved. That's great. Great. I, I'm glad you're saying that. But can I tell you something? Unless a holy God convicts you of being lost... It's not going to happen. That's where the true change comes is when when, when, when the Father does draw you yeah. and you understand who you are and apart from Him, that's when the true change has taken place. Yeah. It's not yes. It's not in the baptism. It's not because, like I said, I'm speaking from past experience. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a lot of that. Yeah. I, I, sought, I sought religion, if yeah. you will. You know? But it wasn't until that He revealed to me who I was yeah. that I understood. And that's when everything changed. Prior, when I was seeking religion, I'm like, I, I had a checklist. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to talk like this. I got to walk like this. I got to look like this. And I did it for amount of months or weeks. And I'm like, okay, well, this is old. And went right back into the sin. Because I never was self saved. I never had salvation. I never understood who I was. But once he reveals it to you, you cannot go back into that. Yep. It, you, might, you might dabble in it. But you're going to fall under conviction of knowing that you're sinning against God. If, and if, that's when it's you come under that and you have yes. to turn your direction and, and say... And I'll tell you what, Josh, when we, as, as, a, as a body of believers, I think if we spent more of our time exercising our spiritual gift and focusing on our own sanctification process and less time trying to pick out who's got it and who don't. Right. Because that's what, that's what we like yes. to do. We, we, we like to get in there and separate the wheat and the tires and say, yeah. that's why we're having so much trouble. And then you know, this, this, and this. And we start trying to fix somebody else and not worry about fixing ourselves. You have to pick the beam out of your own eye that's before exactly you can right. help a brother that's, get that's theirs. That's exactly <clears> right. <throat> and I know that there are issues in, in every church. Now, we've got a good church. We I'm should not, be I'm burdened not bashing, I'm not bashing for church, those. But I, I'm honest when I say that. As God pushes us in, in a direction and, and guides us, if we spend more time focusing on our own shortcomings yeah. and our own spiritual yeah. maturity and developing that and less time trying to fix Josh's problems, because we, we all see his problems, right? 
I'm just I'm I'm picking on Josh, but that's, absolutely. That's, <laughs> that, me too, buddy. That, that's what. <laughs> no, I mean it's I, yes. and I agree. The more the, the more God uh, moves in my life, the more I, I just like Hunter said. I, I I think I've got it going on. I've got things things are going developing, and I'm going in the right direction. I think, man, I'm doing pretty good. I get one thing conquered. Boom. There's something else. Out. I've got a lot yes. to work on, and God's showing me that <laughs> and, by the day. And that's where, when we look at this desire we should have in our own lives, and it's like before Josh even talked about it, I was I was already thinking about this. That's why Jesus talked about four scenarios of seed going out yeah. along the path, the rocks and the thorns. And when we look at this. I have talked to people before that are like, I'm all out for Jesus. I've given my life. I've chosen him. Where are they at? I can tell you where they're at. They're not in church. I'm not going to tell you the details of what they're doing, but they're nowhere close. Now, did I play a part in their life? Absolutely. God used that. But the thing, though, is some seed went in rocky ground, and they didn't last. The thorns didn't last, but yet the good soil... And that's where you got to look at this biblical evidence of what it means to become saved. The seed goes out. You're convicted by God's Holy Spirit. You put your faith in Jesus. You don't have to pray a perfect prayer. Listen, the prayer, when I was 11, you know what my 11-year-old mind and heart felt led to pray in that moment of salvation? The phrase, Jesus, please save me, over and over. Why? Because I realized I was completely lost and in dying need of a Savior. And He saved me through that. Now, a lot of people are like, did He save you because of the prayer? Did He save No, because I had faith. I, I believed. And I knew that if I prayed to Him and had faith in Him, it would work. And that's what I'm saying. Like This good soil that we pray that everyone has, right, and they are, is that the seed landed in and it, it grew, you know, and is the result... And the reality of being a born-again believer. And you cannot get to that point on your own. You have no knowledge of God. You have no spiritual discernment. You literally just come in and go out. And that's why I wish a lot of people could not be like... Like a lot of people have said under not biblical preaching, if I'm being honest. And it's not that I wish they could be rewired. I just wish that they could have heard more biblical preaching at the beginning instead of now. Because some guys preach this message of you come to Christ. You do this. You choose. You give your life. Come pray this prayer. And that has warped and poisoned the mind of everyone who's heard that. Why? Because that's not the gospel. You don't just pray a prayer, ABC. You don't have to pray with the pastor. You know, you know what I like? In the book of Acts. What do you like? You know when Paul and them were walking, and they were trying to get to the temple, but they went to the wrong place, and they ended up where Lydia and yeah. them women were sitting, mm-hmm. and all they did was share the gospel. And the Bible says that God opened her heart. Yes. <laughs> and she that's it. That's, that's a, it. Yeah. Nothing, nothing else happened in that moment except... They shared the. They sat down, shared the gospel. God opened her heart. She put her faith in Jesus and was saved. That's it. Yes. And here we are, with so many people saying they're Christians and they're servants and they're this and they're this and they're this. And you might be like Hunter Allen just said we don't need to focus on them. No, we're burdened for them. Yep. We are so burdened from them, but we do have to examine ourselves. And listen, I agree. 
I'm to the point now where I'm like, I need to stop looking at everybody else, and I really need to start looking at myself. Yeah. Why? Because God has delivered me. It's like Josh said, I will, if I, okay, if I were to go back into the lifestyle, so like, you know, I was saved at a young age, did I live perfectly? No. I actually went for about six months, right, in this awful season of sin, and God chastised me and brought me out of that, right? He convicted me, brought me out of that. The question is, could I go back into that? No. No way. I could not. And that's why I'm saying this. If eight, ten years from now, you guys heard that I was out doing all sorts of things, and I was living in it, and I didn't want anything to do with God, and I did, it wouldn't be, well, Hunter's backslid. It would probably be, well, it, Hunter may have never been saved. Because how can we go, how can we ten, continue therein? Right. Those, continue therein. That's the key. That's the key. And that, I'm not or, saying that people can't dabble. People can't will, the, trip. Yes. But the reality is, it's like, I, I say that because what Josh said is true. That six-month span, I will never do anything like I will never go back in that lifestyle like that. I will, why? Because God delivered me from that. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll share this, and I'll try not to overshare. I may be guilty of that from time to time, but no. I know this. I know this. <laughs> From from my own personal experience, and it's funny this topic came up because we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. Yeah, I'm honest when I say that if I were to say I'm done, I'm going to turn my back on God, the church, and everything. Yeah. That I've, I literally believe God would strip me of my sanity. The reason I say that is because there's been a time in my life when spiritually bankrupt, desolate refiner's fire type and i can see that now looking back but it was when you're hurt when you're hurt through the church and you get this negativity about you when you're like god these are supposed to be your family this is supposed to be your people this is supposed to be yeah and i get that that cold and calloused where it's supposed to be tender heart of flesh and it gets stony and hard and i say to myself you know what i'm done done through with it literally i didn't have much to begin with but thought i'd lose what little bit of marbles i had i thought i thought god was gonna take them from me until i got to a place of repentance where god brought me and and, and said hey big boy you need to understand you're not serving men you're serving me yes i'm not you're not you're not serving people you're serving god and and learning those lessons uh god's brought me to a place now to where okay you're in, you're in a position where you can reach folks. You're in a position where you can you can share, uh, help spread the word, and help folks grow in, in knowledge and and, and yeah and in, the, and in their faith, understanding that man alive. Please don't put your faith in me. Please don't put your faith in our pastor. Yeah. Please put your faith in in, in an almighty God. Yes. By Grant. By Grant. By Grant. Hear the door. Listen. Grant just left. By the way, Gavin Mc. Gavin McKee's in here with us today, too. Hey, Gavin. Hey, Gavin. Okay. But, yeah, Alan, like you were saying, like, you got to the point where God, and I'll say that repentance that God put on you, that you needed, that's a fruit, that you were his. Yep. And, I, I mean, I, man, here's the reality. If I ever got to the point, right, where I'm walking away, I'm quitting, I'm not doing this anymore, you know what? It probably, it would be better for God to take me out. Agreed. Yeah, and agreed. I, and I say that emotionally because... If it ever got to that point, it, it it would be better just to go ahead and die and go to where he is than to try to continue on this earth. Because the guilt, the choices, and everything that you would live for and pay for 
it would be better just to be taken out. And I know y'all are listening to this and you're like, man, that's... But here's the reality. We don't... The three of us sit here and say, we're not going back to what we came from. This ain't no game. And now, do we struggle with things? Yeah, do we all... Do we... The three of us have different convictions of things we have to deal with every day that probably stimulate from some sense of pride, right, towards different temptations. Yeah. But... God's delivered us. He's saved us. He's forgiven us, right? He's chastised us. He's convicted us. And he's brought us to this point now where we look back and say, man, thank God that I'm come this far. Why? Not by my own knowledge or my own will. And that's the reality. It's like, you know, when uh, I graduated high school, I had a sports scholarship and I wanted to go into ministry. So I didn't go for sports. And people thought, they're like, why? You're good. Why would you not go? And I was, my whole thing was, I want to serve God. I want to do ministry. And you know what? People could not understand that. They didn't get it. And I look back now and I was like, maybe it's because they couldn't. Yeah. Because to me and to other brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, that makes sense. Yeah, you want to serve God. Amen. Don't go to the world. Go serve God. Go do ministry. But yet to the common person, they're like, that makes no sense. Why would you want to do something like that? But here's the reality. Christians are called to serve a holy God, and this gift we're getting ready to talk about is great. And, you know, once I got into the definition of the spiritual gift of serving, it was awesome because the Greek word is diakonia, and it's the same word for deacon. So we're, you know, Alan's in here, and Alan can attest he's been a deacon here, and he knows that that's a position of serving. Any guy or woman that studies the Bible should understand that the literally how deacons were brought in and i believe it's like when you get into like acts chapter seven six no seven yeah because stephen would probably die in eight and then nine uh you learn that the pastors well by that the apostles they weren't having enough time to study so they're like let's find seven spirit-filled men let's bring them in as deacons right they're going to serve tables they're going to help the widows they're going to so literally deacons god gave deacons as a, a position of serving but before we get into that, I kind of want to read just a, a few things that I wrote down. So this word diakonia means this, of those who by the command of God proclaim prom- and promote religion among men. So in this definition, if I could simplify it, those who are called to serve God and do it faithfully to others. So like a good example, Moses, what a servant of God, right? Apostles. People who do ministration, they serve the people, right? Prophets, evangelists, elders serve the people, deacons. And here's our example that this conversation that we're going to have, we'll kind of rotate around. The example, the service of those who prepare and present food. So like someone who prepares it, someone serves it, but what's it for? It's for others. And so there are people that are gifted with this, but there's people that are called into it, literally. So... Alan, when you look at the office of a deacon, right, that's something God's called you for. You know, it's like, you know, um, I believe it might be in Hebrews. I'll have to double check. But when it starts talking about a prophet, right, a prophet has to be called by God. A man can't do it on his own. And that's kind of, I look at, I look at this office of a deacon, like this is a holy calling that God puts on a man's life to lose half his life to do what? Serve the church. And so Alan, this role of a deacon, um, share some of your experience, the well, knowledge you've learned with us. I'll, I'll say this, as far as things that I do, uh, man, alive, if 
uh, anybody, no matter what your gift is and what you're doing, if you do it for uh, the right reason, uh, it's kind of awkward to talk about what you do because then it's like I'm gaining recognition for what I do, and I don't super I, awkward. I, I would never, <laughs> I would never want to do that. But I, I will tell you this: when you look in the scripture, and uh, our pastor he quoted it again this morning, uh, John 13, and uh, they were getting ready for the Passover, and Jesus scared himself and got a basin of water, and yeah, boy. He's going to teach him a lesson, yes. right? He's going to teach him a lesson. When And again, society puts labels on people that uh, maybe sometimes sets a precedent of uh, rank or hierarchy. And mm-hmm. if you're not careful, you get hung up yeah. on a title. You get hung up on a position. And people being fleshly, like we've already mentioned, start to embrace that. and start thinking, yeah. I'm a boss, you know. I, yeah, I run this joint. Yeah, that's me. And they start they start embodying that, yeah. and, and it's it's poison. It's sickening. Uh, to me, uh, the lesson that Jesus taught his disciples and Peter learned it. You know, he said, <laughs> he said, I'm going to wash your feet. He said, You know, washing my feet. We've we've talked about this. Yes. So that lesson that he learned from Jesus, where he said, Oh yes, you are going to wash my feet. Please wash them and wash my head and wash my hands and wash all of me. Yeah that i'm willing and this is again I, i've told people i told i told tracy i will tell hunter i will tell anybody i'll tell jake if you've got something you need done i'll do my best if it, before it get you know what i'm saying before it goes without before we don't get it accomplished come to me yeah i'll give it my best shot yeah i'll, I'll do it and it, it no matter if i'm gifted in it or not so i think the attitude of just being willing and uh, we done a we done a little thing here, and, and Hunter's got the right mindset with the definition, because we done a, it was a couples retreat, really nice. They 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 decorated one whole wing of the church with the rose petals and little candle lights, and uh, uh, had a really nice meal uh, catered. Those things are gonna happen here, by the way. And just the, throwing and, the, just throwing that out there, just and, a little advertisement. And the deacons dressed up. And we put little towels on our forums, and and we served the entire event. A little pitcher, you need to drink top to top. Here you go. Well, you need you want dessert? I go get you the dessert. We were the waiters for the uh, event. So, being somebody who's in a position to serve is that servant's heart, where you're not just yes. doing it, but you're glad to do it. Yeah. You well, want to, you want to help somebody. Yeah. You want to lighten their load. You want to make their and, and again, that service when it's done right has a lot of beautiful byproducts that come along with it because somebody who needs help, lots of times they're too proud to ask for it. Yeah. Just, you know what I'm saying? And, and having the ability to recognize that, step in without being prompted, without saying, hey, I'm, I'm a little bit short this month. Can you can you spot me? Uh-huh. Yeah. Being able to spot that in advance. Yeah. Being able to provide those things and, and understand that. Uh, a lot of that is being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And God will prompt you in areas where service is needed. You need to be mature enough. Now let's go back to the sanctification process because you need to be developed spiritually yeah. enough to understand what yeah. God wants you to do. Yeah. And, you know, when you even talk about the verse, like, you know, do everything as to the Lord, you know, I, I didn't understand that verse for a long time because I was like, like, do I do everything literally as I'm serving Jesus? Do I do it because he's called me? 
and I need to be faithful. And how I see it now, it's just like a deacon. You know, you're called to serve the church. So by you being faithful to that, you're being faithful to God. So you're doing everything as unto the Lord. But this is kind of, and some people may not agree with this, but I was having this conversation with Grant before this, actually. And we were talking about, you know, uh, a lot of people try to make this priority list of their lives. So, you know, obviously, God's first. Here's a question. Is he really? Everybody will say it, but is he really? Ask yourself that. And then I made this comment. I was like, you know, a lot of people might put up their wife, their kids, right? You might put, but I said, this is mine. My personal relationship with the Lord needs to be number one. Second, and in that same area, is I need to be as faithful as I can to being called to be a servant, right? So a lot of people hear that and they're like, you put that church and those people before God? No, not the people, the calling. Because when God puts a pro- like a calling on your life, right? Or he gives you a ministry or he does this or this or this, it's from him. And so by him calling you to that, you're literally a servant to him. Now, I, I don't know about you, but when you study a servant, like their first priority is serving who? The master. Because when he says do it, you do it. And so, you know, when you look at that system, it's like God is first, but so is my calling to serve him. Then it can be my future wife, my future kids, my church family, and this. And it, see, the thing is, is it's not so much about serving the physical people. I'm not putting them before my, all that. No, it's the calling itself. Because God has chosen, right, for me to be called into a a capacity to be a servant towards him. Moses was. The apostles were. Our deacons. Alan, you all are called. And so Alan, you know, when he looks at his life, his relationship and his calling that God has called him to be a servant, right? That's priority. It should be. But what I, I love about this is if you really look at it, we're all servants to God. That's reality right there. Now, some serve in different ways, but we're all called to serve God. And so I'm kind of looking at this, and I'm like, wow, there is a spiritual gift application to this that some will be called for specific offices. But when you look at being called to serve God, that's every single person. And so I really started thinking about this, and I was like, it'd be it's easy, right? So like we have communion, not tonight, but like this next weekend, they're going to do communion. And this is new news. I just found out today. But like, Alan, when you all do communion, you know, I think about this, right? You know, here's your two ordained pastors, right? They're going to break open the word of God, right? And talk about the blood. They're going to talk about the bread, just like Jesus did. But then your deacons, and this is just how we do it here. Your deacons are the ones that take the bread, take the little juice cups, and they go out and serve it. So it's easy, right, to identify those who are called to serve, be servants. And you're serving people, but you're serving God. But in reality, it's it's easy to try to point out all the other ones that do those things. But what about in your own life? How are you serving God? Right? Because Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. So in a, a certain context, you're called to serve God and serve your neighbor. Because if you love God, you're going to want to serve him. And if you love your neighbor, are you not going to want to serve them? And be there for them and help them. I mean, the the gift of helping, right? This is kind of similar to it. But I was looking at this definition. I was like, wow, this is so specific to deacons and pastors and this and this and this. But then I really started thinking, I was like, but if we're really honest, we're all servants to God. And, you know, Alan, you hit it on on the head with that illustration of y'all kind of dressing up and like serving the people. 
when you read about the calling of the deacons in the, the early church, that's literally a good example of what it looked like for them. But what I love about that, Alan, is the person who's called to do that's gifted for it. And I think in this day and age, we have people in pulpits, pastors that are not supposed to be pastors, but I'll say this, I think we got men who are deacons that are far from what a deacon's supposed to be. Absolutely. Because this is a calling that God puts on your life. It's like if you go somewhere and here's something, okay, here's a similar one. If you go to a church and it's ran by a couple deacons and their families and they have a new pastor every year, yeah, that's not biblical. Not at all. And those men probably shouldn't be deacons. Why? Because they're trying to run the church instead of wanting to be a servant. See, this is what I love. When you look at this position of a deacon, it's not a call to have power and authority. It's a call to serve. But even when you look at the calling of a pastor, it's not a a position to have this authority and this power to determine what others do and how things need to go. No, you're called to be an under-shepherd to the main shepherd. And so when we look at this example of serving and preparing food and presenting, let me ask you a question, friend. Which part are you in? (laughs) Are you preparing or are you serving? Some will prepare behind the scenes and do a lot of work. Some will serve out in front of others and they'll be known. And that's what I'm saying this. So if I were to say, you know, what does it mean to serve? Who serves? Everybody's going to be like, oh, well, the deacon does. Well, the pastor does. Well, the evangelist does. This guy does. The administrator does. But why are we pointing at others? Right? Yeah, we get it. They have a spiritual gift. But we really need to ask ourselves, how are we serving the body of Christ? Because this morning we heard a message. Oh, Lord. Tonight we're going to hear more continuation of oh, Lord. the body serving the body of Christ and being a part of it. And it's like, if the arm hurts, yeah. right, the foot knows. It, I mean, the whole body knows what's happening. And that's what I'm saying. Like, here we are called to be in the body of Christ. We all have a position. We all have a place that we are a part of this body of Christ. And we're called to function, right, and serve God. But here's the problem. No one wants to serve. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. To being kindly affected one toward another in brotherly love, honoring, preferring one another, putting your brother, esteeming them higher than you than yourself. yourself. So when it comes to a position of service, man, this is, this is across the board, man. I'll tell you what, no matter what the, the position of... And I'll say this about our pastor. He's not Superman. No. There's times when we need to serve him. When we need to say, hey, yeah. man, do you need anything? Are, are you okay? Can I help you? Uh, there's times when that burden gets great. There's times when, uh, as a church, God's put things on his heart yeah. that he knows. But it's for the church. Exactly It's right. not just for him. It's not. it's not. It's for the church. And that's why I think we started out perfect, because we talked about everyone's equal, right? But I think a lot of times as individuals, we take that responsibility on ourself and sometimes that burden can sometimes get heavy when you when you bear it in, in yeah. your own so uh s- serving uh can be either food it can be but it can also being there just being present yeah to help someone bear their burden wow and alan i think and josh i, I think it's fair to say this like God didn't just call your pastor and your deacons to serve. No, he did not. It's not just them. No, he did not. And that's where, and that's where I'm. I say this like when we talked about being equal, right? Everyone was un, didn't had nothing to do with God, had no knowledge of God. God saved them. Now we've all been saved through grace, and God calls us 
to do separate things, but for what? The body of Christ. And that's what I'm saying. Like this, you said it, it goes all across the board. And when you said that, I was like, you know what? You were right, Alan. This does go all across the board. We talked about it. And again, our Sunday school class was awesome this morning too. If you're not, if you're not involved in a small group, but Bible study of some type, we would really love to have you come join us. We've got some really good ones going on right come now. Come on. Come with it. Come join us. But we talked about Daniel and the things that's going on in, 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 in that and how that, you know, the Holy Spirit, yes, was leading and guiding Daniel. The difference is, if you're saved by grace in the New Testament church, you have the Holy Spirit within you yeah, constantly. Come on. And the fact that we are so dependent and and absolutely uh, reliant on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, especially when it comes to being man alive. I know that the, the technology has developed a lot and if God puts somebody on your heart, I can pick myself on up and talk to him and just that quick. Yep. Hey, man, what's, how's it going? God put you on my heart. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Uh, or, or or whatever the act of service might be. Yeah. Obedience. And it's better than sacrifice. Just minding that Holy Spirit, being obedient to it. And, yes. and when you look at this whole thing of, and it's like everybody's like, okay, so everybody yeah, I love everybody. Yeah, I love my brother. Well, are you serving them? How? How? And you said, I mean, y'all said, esteeming your brother higher than yourself. And in doing that, we serve them. We're there for them. And, and that's what I love about this spiritual gift because it's equal across the board. But Alan said it: the Holy Spirit of God. Right? It's like this. You know, I this has developed in me not because of myself. So, like when I see a piece of trash in this church. Throughout the last four, you know, three years, um, I feel like I need to go pick it up. I just need to, right? And I'm not boasting about what Hunter does, but I'm saying this. If it was just me, I wouldn't pick that up, right? If it was my choice, I wouldn't do that. Why? Because I'm lazy. But something in me prompts me to do that. (laughs) And if I don't, I'll go get convicted about not picking up a piece of trash. Now, you're saying, Hunter, that's too much. No, the Holy Spirit prompts us and guides us to do such things that we can't do on our own or we wouldn't even want to do on our own. And that's what I love about this whole serving thing because you might be listening to this and you're like, well, man, I don't really serve anybody. Why? Why don't you? Because when you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, you have a desire to do those things. You want to participate in the family of God. You don't want to forsake the assembly, right, of the brethren. You want to be a part of the breaking of bread. You want to be a part of the Bible studies. You have a desire in you, and it's like our pastor said this today. the fruits of the Spirit, too. Yes, and and he said this, you know, he doesn't, when he comes to church on Sundays, it's because he wants to be here. Now, how many of us have ever been lazy in that before? All of us. But this is what I know. I don't wake up. On Sunday mornings and think, man, I have to be there. I want to be there. Yeah, right. Even if I may not be where I'm supposed to be, I need to be there. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God is present in my life. Now, this this uh, this last week, we've, we've been on Pure Flix trying it out, seeing what they have to offer movie-wise. So we were watching this movie about uh, the Bible, right? I've seen the TV show before, but the Bible. We're watching Paul's conversion. And literally, Ananias comes to Paul, and Paul says this phrase. He said, my soul is on fire. What do I have to do? So Ananias baptized He saved, they baptized him, his sight's regained. And I started thinking, man, how many times have we ever been convicted of our sin, right? 
And, you know, I'm going to say this phrase, freely, willingly sinning. And a lot of people hear that and they're like, oh, willful sin, you're losing yourself. No, every time you sin, it's your choice. No one makes you do it. So how many times have we been convicted of a sin or mistake and it's like our souls are on fire? (laughs) And you can't run from it. You can't hide from it. And you break down where you are and you're like, God, have mercy on me. Forgive me of these trespasses that I'm confessing to you. Because 1 John 1 and 9 says you'll be faithful and just. That same Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin is the same Holy Spirit that prompts us to want to serve and love our brethren. And, you know, we we started out, and it's like this, you know. I used to get super sensitive when people would, like, be against me, right? I'd be like, oh, you know, I want everybody to like me. Jesus never said that's how we need to live our lives. So it's like, you know, a few weeks, a couple times in my life and a few weeks ago, you know, I, I uh, um, came into a situation, right, where someone was against me. And I was like, okay. And used to, I'd be like, well, I need to do whatever I can to please them. I, I've got to make this up. But instead, my first thought was, I need to go pray for them because something's not right in their heart. They wouldn't come against me like this. Right, something's not right. Something's the scripture says that when someone does that, there's sin. Right, something's not right, and that's what I'm saying. The Holy, that's the same Holy Spirit. We cannot get to that point without leadership and guidance of a divine, holy being, and that's God. Right, and the fact that God imparts His Spirit to us. If you guys hear singing in the background, that's our worship leader. If you want to hear more of it, you should just come check it out on a Sunday. Um, but it's like this, when you get in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul's like, okay, who know, who understands himself but the spirit of that man? So is the spirit of God. It searches the deep things. And then Paul says, well, we haven't received man's wisdom or man's spirit. No. We've received the spirit of God. And that's why we read these things about God and this lifestyle that God calls us to. The only reason we can participate in that or even get close is because of him. And it's like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Puritans, but before we came, you know, I was talking about Paul Washer, and Jake said, you know, let me read what a Puritan said. You know what this Puritan said? They're called Puritans for a reason. He said, God, I need to repent of my repentance. And I heard that, and I thought, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness, right? Literally, the man saying that even his repentative prayer... His best prayer is still sinful and filthy. And when he said that phrase, let me repent of my repentance, I thought, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Humble me, God. Help mm-hmm. me. Because that's the realization we get to through the Spirit of God that we have nothing except Him. Right. And we can't serve. We can't love. We can't live for Him unless the Spirit of God is in us. And it's like this, you know... Um, I, uh, one thing that God's delivered me from, from is video games. I was li- literally, this sounds, I've talked about this with you too. I was a, a servant to them. I was addicted to them. I played them every day, every night. I was really good at them. I didn't want to get a job. I didn't want to do school. I just want to play video games. This is like four years ago. And it got to the point that my dad came to me one day and he's like, Are, is that coming between you and God? I justified it every way I could. But the realization was, it has. So, let me tell you guys this. So, this last week, we're sitting at home, and 
I got a phone game, right? It's a little game, kind of like you shoot a basketball on a goal, you move to the next level. And I was like, oh, this is great. Okay, within six hours, I had no desire to play it anymore. Why? Because God delivered me from that. <laughs> yep. I have no desire for that. Why? Because he took me away from something that was hindering my life and brought me further in sanctification. And that's an evidence of the Holy Spirit of God because the normal man would say, I want to keep doing this. I, I don't care. I want to keep... But the Christian says, this is something bothering me about this. And it's because it's coming between me and God. And whether it's serving, loving, living a holier life, if the Spirit of God's not present, you're not going to be able to do it. Period. Plain. You're never going to be faithful to it. And you're going to... It'll be like the seeds, right? The path... The, the raven, the sparrow, whatever it came, stole it. The rocky path, the sun raised up, scorched it, and then the thorns, it choked it out. And it's crazy because in four scenarios, Jesus has put everybody to ever be born in this universe, this world, into a category. It's either Satan's going to rob you, you're going to make some sort of profession, but it's not true, and eventually you're going to burn out because the sun's going to come up. Or you'll make a profession and the sins, the thorns of these world are going to choke you out and you're going to follow them. Or it's going to land in good soil and it's going to grow. Everyone's in that. And I hope that a lot of people that listen to this are like, yeah, we're in the fourth one. And, you know, I I know we've kind of, we've talked about sanctification. We've talked about holy, you know, holy living. We've talked about serving. We've talked about, but I I think it goes to this. It's all, we're all equal right there. And all that category of wanting to serve, wanting to love, being convicted of sin, being lost. being And I love it because no one really is a better servant than the other, no. right? No. Some, some people might be a Martha. Some people might be a Mary. But what I love is when you read a Paul's conversion, right? And you go and you start reading. Um, I believe it's in like there in Galatians 2. He talks about it and he'll talk. he talks about it in Acts. But one thing that he says in Galatians is he said... Um, I want to flip to it. I, I want to flip to it. Um, when you get into this. While he's flipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when, when we uh, start talking about the, the gift of serving, or any of the gifts that we've talked about thus far, we've talked about a lot, The make sure that we keep them in context because what we want to make sure uh, as listeners that we motivate you to a, a position of service uh, that some of the pitfalls that we see is that we get the gift as maybe some type of special uh, treatment or some type of a title we talked about. Like the Corinthians, the gift above the giver. And then you start prioritizing, well, I'm worth more than you because I've got this gift, this, that, or the other. Yeah, It's about the motive of use. And uh, again, when we wrap up and do uh, uh, probably next week, you'll hear us refer to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 a lot. But uh, verse 1 says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not charity, it becomes a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Meaning, I could be the, I could be a world beater deacon. I could be like the top, the elite of deacons. And I get arrogant and pompous and I get elevated in my own self-worth. Yeah. Then understand... I'm getting my recognition now, just like that Pharisee that yes. prayed on the sidewalk says, "Hey, I'm glad I'm not like this person." Right. Yeah, he but said they'll mo- get their rewards. If your if your motive is out of love, yeah, for others, and you yeah. esteem them higher than yourself, yeah, your service will be accurate. Well, that's the 
yes, it, it will most definitely. And that's the thing that that love and the matter of the heart when it comes to the serving. That's where it really it boils down to because you'll hear people make comments and like I have to do this because nobody else will. Well, that's not a that's not a true statement because if you're not there, somebody's going to fill those shoes willingly, yep. and joyfully, yep. and, and and be glad to do it. Yep. But the thing is, is that part of love when you start looking into that and the charity part is that you serve because of a humble spirit. You serve to honor God, not to honor man. So you can care less if there's a title attached to it because ultimately you're not doing it for a title. You're not doing it because, oh, look at me. You're doing it because you feel led to. The thing is, is though, is that when we as believers, you know, and Hunter made a statement earlier about everybody serving. And yes, everybody needs to serve. Well, the greatest way we can serve is if we truly believe everything that we talk about here on this podcast. Yep. When we see people that are lost and undone in the world and we don't share the message, do we fully understand? Because the four seeds that Hunter was talking about, if we're not casting those seeds, how are they ever going to come? Is our love, or do we love them, right? That's exactly. Do, I mean, so are we, we serving our brothers? Yeah. Are we serving our neighbors? Are we serving our coworkers? Because so many times, and just, I mean, here lately, I got tired of hearing people say, I'm a believer. And you just sit there and you see their lifestyle and you see what they're actively engaged in. And I just got to the place where I'm like, I'm done witnessing. Pride. Pride. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done witnessing. Yeah. And that whole process of people and coming into prayer and like, I'm done. I'm not doing this no more. I'm setting it down. Yep. And he's like, who are you? Yep. What would you have to do in it? And I understood that, <laughs> that it's not about me. It's about him and his word. Yeah. And when I share his word, so now I got a new approach and I love it. And it wasn't my own revelation. It was through reading and studying. Yeah. Because I started reading and studying that night and I got all kinds of tore up. Your head's getting <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 I love it when we get. Your head's get, getting red now. It's yeah. Getting, like, I'm, I'm telling you. And I, <laughs> you know, it's, it's bad when your whole house is asleep and you're reading the word of God, getting excited. <laughs> and they come in and they're like, is everything okay, dad? Yes. <laughs> go, back, back to bed. go back to bed. Or, or you're going to hear a sermon here in about two seconds if you sit tight. <laughs> if you get all sided. So now, like, I witness somebody, and if I have more than five minutes with them, and being in construction, sometimes we just get stuck together. Yeah. Can't go to work. You a believer, brother? <laughs> oh, yeah. Amen. Yeah. We're going to go hold through the whole gospel message again because we're going to rejoice together. Or, and not about us. It's about him and his or, word. Or you get to the point, Josh, and I'll say, like, you talk to someone, they're like, oh, I'm a believer. And then you're like, oh, sweet. Where where are you plugged in at a church? Uh, Old over here. and Oh, well, who's the pastor? What's God doing in your life? Uh, yeah. My whole thing is, like, you'll talk to some people and you'll say, who's the pastor? They have no clue. Yeah. Well, when I was there, I think it was, what's his name? Um, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you have to, everybody's a believer. Everybody, yeah. Everybody's a Christian. So you have to get past share with them. You have to get past that. Yes. You go to church somewhere, uh, yeah, well, uh, and it's like this. I had a conversation uh, with a young man last week. And I asked him this question. I said, are you a Christian? Well, uh, 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 and I said, okay, let me change it. Do you consider yourself yeah. to be a Christian? And he goes, well, yeah, I guess. There's my answer, right? Mm -hmm. We had a good conversation. To God be the glory. Yep. Yes. God used that, right? Yes. But that's what it comes down to is like, whether they said they're a believer or they're not, yeah. you're, su you're supposed to talk to them. And it's like me and Jake were talking about 
you know, he said that he used to just go up to anybody and everybody and be like, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Hey, do you believe in Jesus? And he said, that's good. He said, now it's to a point in his life, though, where instead of just like consciously going, he's praying, God, open the door. Yeah. Help me yeah. be sensitive. Yeah. And he said, you know, I went through the drive through the other day and I asked a girl how she was doing. And she said one phrase, open the door. Yeah. And he's like, so it's not so much of trying to like do it, do it, do it. It's like, God, you open the door because if he opens the door right. and it's like, I used to be like, you know, God open a door and I'll be like, well, he's going to open a door this week and this week and this week. No, there's a lot of doors. It's like the other night we were in Chick-fil-A, right? And I love Chick-fil-A. Um, and we're sitting there and something awkward's going on and the line's taking long and here's this teenage boy and he's just awkwardly standing there with me. And I'm like, you know, how you doing, brother? Good. How, what time y'all closed? 10. Well, I bet you're glad to get off here in just a few minutes. And he's like, oh yeah. And we awkwardly stood there and then he walked away and I pulled up and I said, why did I not talk to him about the gospel? Because there was an opportunity. Yeah. And that's where when we serve others, when we talk to uh, we're all doing this. Why? Because God's called us yeah. to do it. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about this, you know, talking to people that you may not know. It is a little awkward at first. Gavin and I were actually talking about this earlier. It is a little awkward at first. But Josh said this, and it's kind of stuck with me, and I've reiterated it. I hope that's okay. If you'll make it practical every week of your life and you'll keep practicing, it gets to the point it's not it's awkward easy. anymore. Why? Because it's it's, it's, it's it's your life. It's easy. Yeah. And, you know, what I love about all of this is I was reading, I'm going through Galatians, right? And I read this. Paul said this. Okay, um, let's see. He, he said this in Galatians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 4. He said, Yet it was a concern because of the false brothers secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy on our freedom, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to enslave us. But we did not yield in subjection for them for even hours, so that the truth of the gospel remained with you. Look at verse 6. But from those who were considered of reputation, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no favoritism. Well, those who were of repute contributed nothing to me. But on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised just as Peter had been, for he was uh, at work for Peter and his apostles. So literally you're going through this, and Paul says... When I got saved, I didn't go consult with those in Jerusalem. I didn't go to the high, reputable people. And then he says this, for God shows no, he's not partial. He shows no, and that goes with everything. Paul's literally saying he was saved by the grace of God, and he didn't have to go compare or talk to anyone else. Why? Because he encountered Jesus himself. And that's why when we look at being saved, right, being convicted of sin, being called to serve, being called to an office. Guess what? We don't have to go talk to everybody else. Why? Because it's God who does it. And literally Paul's saying that. And I, I love this because I, it, it's like, here's, here's a point in my life that I'm at. So, you know, I, I love, right? I, 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 I'm an, not, I was getting ready to say an exorcist, an extrovert, right? I like to talk to people. I like to meet new people. And when I was younger, I was a little more bold at it. And now I've developed this tendency of getting reserved around people. And, it, it you know, I'm not like that, right? But it, we were walking on a hiking trail yesterday. And somebody walked by and I was like, how you doing? Doing great. Man, you know, isn't it, you know, it's a good day. And I made the comment. I was like, you know, it's going to be better when we get to the top, right? And all this and it's easy to talk to people, but why is it hard to talk about 
what matters. Why is it hard to talk about truth, right? So that's a conviction I have. And I was telling them in my office earlier, it's to the point now where it's like a fire in my bones that when I don't talk to someone or when I'm out, I can't help but I need to talk to someone about Christ. And it's to that point that God is bearing witness, right? That I'm His, but also that I'm called to share the gospel to the point now where God's calling me out of my comfortable zone to say, just start talking and I'll guide. You just ask the question, right? You go witness. You go on visitation. You do these things. And I'm more pressed to do it. And I'm not talking about this just because I, me, right? But how many other Christians, right? Talk, get to this point that they're like, I've got to start talking to people. I mean, it's even like, and Gavin, I don't hope you care if I share this. This last week, Gavin said that you're at a grocery store or something like that. And he saw an old friend from high school, right? And they have, they talk in the store, they're talking on their way out or something like that. They're literally parked next to each other. And Gavin and him have in this conversation. And once Gavin got in his car, He's like, why did I not tell him about church? Why didn't I invite him to come, right? We talked about life. Why would I not? And so Gavin's like, I felt impressed. So I got back out of my car. I went to his, knocked on his window awkwardly. And he rolled his window down. And I, and Gavin started talking to him about Watson's. He needed to come to church. He needed to come hear something. And I thought, that's awesome, right? Because that's an impression, right? There's something in you that's saying, I need to go do this. I'm being led to do this. But also this. Why did I not do it? So it's showing that this is something that should be a normality to an everyday Christian's life. And I thought about this. How many people ooh, How many people have a workplace that they go to every day? And I want to ask you this question. Do they know that you believe in Jesus? Do they know you're a Christian? Because listen, 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 listen. You're thinking, well, Hunter, you know, you're at the church. I, get, I worked other jobs, right? I've been on the workforce. But you know this? When I worked at the school system, both times, right, and I was a knothead, <laughs> but everybody knew what I stood for, yeah. and the conversations of Christ came, and I felt impressed to go to my coworkers and say, how can I pray for you? How, how can I talk to you? You know, how, how, do you go to church? Have you ever been saved? Tell me about that. I was impressed to do that, and I started thinking earlier, I was like, how many people have been working somewhere, and no one knows that they're a Christian? They just know their name. They know their hobbies, and that's where I'm sitting here thinking, It's not that I'm better than anybody, but we're called and we have a desire in us to establish those things that we are because of Christ. And how many people are, you know, it's like I was sitting there today at the restaurant on Sunday and you see all these people dressed up and we all go to church, right? We all go to this, but why do we all not communicate? Why does no one talk? Why, why, why don't the waitresses and the waiters not here? Why do we, right? And I'm guilty of that too. But I'm sitting there thinking, like, how quiet and how normal is it now for Christians not to speak up of who they are yeah. and what they believe in? Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, like, two weeks ago, I met a young man, and that's what we were on the job site. And when I asked him, I said, uh, hey, you by chance aren't a Christian, are you? And because he made a couple of slight comments, and I picked up one. Yeah, and I was like, those are the best. And I was like, you happen ain't one of those Christians, are you? And he's like, yeah, well, yes. And I'm like, really? And he's like, well, used to. I'm like, what's that mean? And we started talking. And the more we went into the conversation, the more he withdrawed his previous statement. 
and the conversation went on hmm. for about i thought that was going a whole different way no it, <laughs> my it, bad i wish it did i but wish it did i was gonna but, say those are the best when you see here's somebody you're like are you believing they're like are you a believer? And then you're like, oh, and you have this. But well, he did. He initially said yes, and then, like I says, and I, and I, I'm, I'm, and it might have been some of my prompting of questions too, that led him to start withdrawing, and then it got to a certain plus spot that I, I just stopped it, and uh, I said, well, I can tell you're a little bit uncomfortable, and he's like, well, he's like, I don't know, I said, uh, I'm a believer, and I said, assurance. And that's what I asked him. I said, do you have assurance? Like, do you know? And uh, he's like, I don't know. You know, and we started going through different verses and scriptures and stuff. And we sat there and he had a ton of questions. And I mean, he's a young man. And I mean, the, the questions that he was asking just never ended. And it's questions that I never even fathomed, you know. And he's like, I just have a hard time grasping this. And we, we got to a point and... Um, through that and I told him I says you know I said a lot of it what it, from talking with you a lot of your holdback is in faith and I was like because you kept going to certain things well I know I know I know and I was like and when it comes to the things of faith that's where you seem to have the greatest distraction and uh he's like so sitting sit there and he says well without faith then what do I have? And I says, without the faith, you have knowledge. You have knowledge because you're quoting things to me. And he's like, so you don't think I'm a believer? I said, I would never tell you that you are or not. I said, but when you started retracting quickly because you didn't know where I stood, I says, let's pray. Got a little nervous. He did. He did. And um, it was uh, about a week, I guess now, maybe, yeah, about a week. He came in and he said, uh, something happened last night. I says, what's that? He says, I got saved at church. Hey, amen. And I, so I told him, I says, you know, and he was raised in church. He was, you know, was the only way to talk and he was raised in church. And uh, I asked him, I said, so, you know, and it was a lot of the first questions. I said, what saved you? And there was a different spirit. Yeah, boy. You know, there was yes. a new understanding. Yes. And I'm not saying I had, I know I didn't have anything to do with it. But sometimes in that moment, just that slight path change to where somebody starts to think about it. You put that in their head, you know, like, I mean, are you a believer? You know, what happens if you die? If the word of God, and I mean, church people tell me all the time, you know, I used to go to church. Don't My you? favorite response to, I used to go to churches, so what happens if you die tonight? Yeah. Heaven or hell? Sinful? Covered in sin? Yeah. Or covered in his blood and his righteousness yeah. to where you're going to stand before the Father? What yeah. happens tonight? Yeah. But that's the way the thing is, is that we, if we cannot just speak to the ones around us, that's what we're there. Yeah. We're there to share his word. To, to show the love to others. Yeah. And it's nothing great. It's nothing big or scientific. Yeah. Just that two seconds of time. Let your pride go to the wayside. Yeah, it's humble not about yourself, you. Yeah. Humble yourself. And if they laugh at you, they ridicule you, they cuss you, they want to get in a physical altercation with you. You know, just there's numerous ways that they're going to come. If but it's okay because yeah. it's not about you. Yeah. It's about his word. If they punch you, they just punch you. I mean, yeah. and, But that's... Uh, 
that that is and I'm, I'm i'm here to say i've truly have witnessed to a lot of people and i have never gotten a physical altercation i've been cussed and they'll tell you to leave their property you know or they'll tell you they don't want to hear about it yeah everybody wants the physical <laughs> part of it they they, they 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 don't really want to get physical everybody focuses on the martyr yeah. situation yeah. but yeah. people are not i mean like when we would go Most visit, of the time you get a grand. Yeah. Yes, I'm a believer. Absolutely, I'm yeah. a believer. You know, but, actually, I'm late for church. I gotta go. But there were like even when we uh, when we went out and hit the doors, the community a few like a couple years ago, I ran into a lot of people that were like, I don't go to church. I used to a long time ago. Dude, they were so nice. Oh my gosh. And <clears throat> that's where like I'm not gonna sit here and be like I'm some expert in witnessing and talk because I'll tell I get anxious. That young, Everybody does, though. And that young man right there, now he, obviously his situation was he was lost and God saved him, marvelously saved him. But the reality is, is we have young people that like, they get nervous. I mean, we were, we were talking about this. Young people get nervous because you're like, uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't know what to do. It, it, it's a pride thing. But what I love is like, God works us through that. But we also live in a generation in a, in a church where discipleship is more present than it ever has been in my life and probably a lot of other people's life and probably a lot of other churches. And I don't know, when you're amidst a lot of men and women that love discipling younger believers and they tell you about their experiences, talk about the gospel, they'll go with you, they'll go talk. Dude, it makes you so confident because you're like, you know what? They're not just telling me this is what I need to go do and they're not doing it themselves or leaving me hang. They're discipling me and helping me learn how to do this. It's like, you know, Josh and... Jake, y'all are getting ready to hit, start hitting the communities. Yeah. And then eventually, you're going to start taking people and helping. And, and that's discipleship right there. That's showing younger people or people with that gift of to evangelize. and share. You're helping them learn how to get out of their little box and out of their uncomfortable pride and just be like, hey, do, are you a Christian? Because I'll tell you this. If you ask somebody on the spot, are you a Christian? They're, they get uncomfortable. They do. It's either they're like, yes, yeah. amen, or yes. they're just like, um, uh, 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 they get uncomfortable. And you almost have to come in with a second question to help them like, get out of this, uh, they're stuck in. But here's the thing. It's not about us. Nope. It's, it's not about us at all. And so, my friends, I hope that if you're listening to this and you're called into a position of serving, but you have the gift of serving, you'll utilize that in the local body. Why? Because we're supposed to. Everything we do is for the edification of His church. And so, uh, with that being said, guys, do y'all have anything else? God bless. God bless. All right, God bless. We'll see you guys next time. Peace out.